What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm. I'm joined by Chris Grenham. Cole Yang went to bed like an hour and a half ago. It is very late on Tuesday night. The Celtics season is over. Um, they were eliminated today, 123-109 by the Brooklyn Nets. Let's just start with the game. We don't have to touch on it too much because I think it was pretty much what everybody expected. But just a- any kind of overarching thoughts on game five? Yeah, I mean, not a whole lot to dig into, I don't think. I mean, they hung around, credit to the Celtics. They did hang around for much longer than I thought. They put up with a couple Nets runs and took the punches and actually fought back. There was plenty of opportunity in seemingly every quarter for them to really bow out if they wanted to, because I'm sure they, like us, know that they weren't going to win the series. So they easily could have bowed out. They didn't. You know, they kept cutting it back to like eight. They cut it to six a couple of times. So I was impressed by their fight. And even when Jason Tatum wasn't in the game, I, there was for the brief instances when he wasn't in the game, you know, they made some nice, some nice little runs with some of the bench units. So credit to the Celtics. I saw some people online. There was lots of people online, I should say, yelling about smart, taking 17 shots and shooting too much. My reaction to that was, okay, who, who would you like to who shoot? Who else should shoot? Right. Who else is going to shoot? And I get it when smart shoots 17 or more times, they're 0 and 5 and they're 2 and 8 when he shoots 15 or more times. But on a night like this, they have no one else to shoot. Him and Evan Fournier are the 2A, 2B options here. So, you know, I, that, I didn't really think much of that at all because they don't really have many other options. So those are my two main takeaways, I would say, from the game. Every single time there were enough players available this year, Smart took 10 shots or fewer. You know, yeah. it was whenever they needed him to, to shoot more, he shot more, and they usually lost those games. You know, that's not an indictment on him. It's, it's yet another kind of indicator of how much time this team lost to injuries and to, to COVID, you know, absences and all of that. Again, I, I don't have much to say about this game, but I do think it's probably worth noting some of the guys who did play pretty well. Like, I think that increasingly over the course of this series, I was impressed by what Grant Williams was able to do as a small ball five. He's a small ball five. That just is what it is. He, he is yeah. not a forward. He is, we, we talked about this before, but every time the Celtics played him at his actual position, he was pretty good. I thought Romeo Langford had some really nice moments in this game. I mean, he was three for seven from three and, and he looked pretty confident shooting them. Like mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, I thought there was, there was some, some promise there. And then the other guy who played pretty well, especially on the offensive end, um, you know, he's not much of a defender, but Jabari Parker, he gave the Celtics some valuable minutes and, and he did that a few times this series. He deserves some credit for that. All in all, I, you know, I'm with you. I think the Celtics deserve some credit for this series. They battled. I think anybody coming in, like before the series, if you, if you said the Celtics are going to play five games and their one win is going to be a Jason Tatum 50 piece, I think everybody would be like, oh, that sounds all right. You know, they didn't just bow out in four games. They weren't smacked around really, except for I think I think it was game two, right? Where they, um, yeah. But other than that, you know, they weren't really blown out. Like, I mean, they were missing three fifths of their starting lineup and they probably weren't, even with their full starting lineup, they probably weren't anywhere near as good as the Brooklyn Nets. 
So it is what it is. You know, now I think the Celtics can start to look to the offseason. Yeah. And I mean, it was really one late run in this game that kind of stretched this thing out. And so they they did hang around. But I think Romeo Langford looked really good as the series went on. Really reassuring to see what he can do defensively. I think we saw glimpses of that before the season was suspended last year in that West Coast trip last year. He played really, really well defensively against some against some big time players. And he did that, you know, pretty well. Early in the series, he had some trouble with Kevin Durant, but even the best defenders have trouble with Kevin Durant. And I think he showed some nice glimpses tonight. Again, he had two blocks, two steals, but a lot of stuff that doesn't show up in the box score. So he was good, and I, I agree. Grant as a small ball center was good, but yeah. And then um, I think we'll talk about it afterward. We got to hear from quite a few guys in what seems to be our exit interviews. So you want to talk about that? Yeah, let's do it. So I, I think I think to me, so, some of the main takeaway was just how the extent to which the Celtics need some rest. I mean, you know, like it was funny. Jason Tatum got asked, like, "Are you mad that you guys lost into your first, like, you know, first round playoff exit? Like, are you mad?" And Tatum, you know, he, like he has to say, yeah, I'm mad. But like, I mean, if he's not mad, it's hard to blame him because like you didn't like coming into this series, you just didn't think the Celtics were going to win. I can't imagine that Jason Tatum thought the Celtics were going to win this series. Like he's not stupid. They just they need a break. They have played a lot of basketball over the last like couple of years and they did not have much of a break, you know, in between the last season and this season in between the Disney World bubble and, and the, uh, the start of the 2021 season. They were tired. Jason Tatum was tired. Kimball Walker said he needed some time to reflect. Jalen Brown is rehabbing. Uh, Rob Williams is rehabbing. Like all these guys have put in a ton of time, a ton of effort. Like here we are. They they were eliminated. And I think coming back next season, like I I think we will see, I don't know how good they're going to be or or what they're going to look like, but I do think that having that rest and having like a real off season to just put your feet up is going to really help. Yeah, when we heard from Kemba, Marcus Smart, and Tatum, the rest was so evident that that was important. I mean, those guys and Jalen as well, dating back to that FIBA World Cup team, like they, they've had like no rest at all. They haven't had a full offseason in, in two years, essentially. When you look at a guy like Kemba, who's dealing with numerous, at this point, knee issues, and it's crucial. And Marcus Smart mentioned it in what felt like almost every answer. He was like, we just need to rest. And the other thing that stuck out to me, in addition to the rest portion, like Kemba focused a lot on having a full offseason. He, he talked about one, I got to get right, was his quote. But he was like, I'm going to take some time to reflect and then attack the offseason. This is a really important offseason for him, realistically, in terms of he's almost at a tipping point in his career of kind of if he's going to have a second wind here or if he's going to kind of start to decline a little bit. So I think that's going to be important. But the Kemba Walker thing that stuck out to me, in addition to needing a full offseason, was that he just sounded like kind of sad and pissed that he didn't really get a shot to close out the season. I mean, for a guy who spent the majority of this season managing his ailments so he could play at this time of year to not be able to play you can tell it really kind of wore on him a little bit and was eating at him I can't even imagine that has to stink you sat out all those back-to-back games so you can play at this time of year only to have a bone bruise pop up and you can't play so he's normally somewhat upbeat in a lot of our media availabilities he seemed pretty down And I don't think it was solely from the end of the season. I think it was kind of the way it ended. So that, that stuck out to me a lot with Kemba's availability. A hundred percent. And he came to Boston to play in these types of games. And now for the first time in his career, he's dealing with injuries. Like he just hasn't, he's been a very healthy guy throughout most of his career. He comes to Boston, he starts to struggle and you know, it's, it's tough. He spent all those years in Charlotte playing 
you know, I don't like not meaningless games, but like kind of meaningless games. Like yeah, that team wasn't going anywhere. And uh, you know, he came to Boston hoping to have like a meaningful stretch in his career. And like realistically, I'm sure it's eating at him too. This team really needs him, and he knows that. And if he was really good this season, they would have been a really tough out. If he was really healthy and really good, if Jalen Brown hadn't, you know, been out for the season, you know, like later in the year, like Celtics would have been really tough. They would have been a really, really tough out. And I'm sure he knows that. And I'm sure he recognizes that. And I'm sure that's just like, I'm sure that contributed to him feeling kind of sad tonight. All season, there was kind of this feeling of like, okay, maybe if Kemba Walker is healthy by the playoffs, maybe the Celtics have something. Maybe they have some kind of shot. And I'm sure he was kind of telling himself that too. Like, all right, I'm managing my knee. I'm doing what I can. He managed his knee. His knee was pretty good. He gets to the playoffs and he gets a bone bruise. You said he seemed sad. And it's like, yeah, I mean, and you can see every reason why he would be. So you, you really, really do feel for him. And I think, um, I think an off season will be really good. He needs it really bad. I, you know, he needs to not play team USA. He needs to just yeah. kind of chill for a while. And, and hopefully he gets a chance to do that. Same goes for Jason Tatum. He got asked tonight if he was going to play and he basically said the same thing that he said on Adrian Wojnarowski's podcast a couple of weeks ago. And like, it's an honor to be considered and it's something I'm going to consider and actively thinking about. But at the same time, like I haven't really gotten any time off in two years, essentially. So I think if you are the Celtics front office, you are crossing your fingers that Tatum doesn't really, really want to represent Team USA this summer because I don't think that would benefit the Celtics all that much. But back to Kemba, I mean, he's going to need this offseason and it's going to be interesting to see how he comes out of it. If he comes out of it as a Celtic, that's a much greater question that I think will attack down the road. But the issue with his bone bruise popping up seems kind of on brand for this year's team, right? Like it was a series of what ifs for this team. A lot of times it was what if Robert Williams was healthy? What if Jalen Brown was healthy in the playoffs? What if Kemba was healthy against the Nets? What if all of these various factors, what if Evan Fournier had a smooth transition and didn't get COVID? What if Jason Tatum didn't get COVID? So I think that was just the overarching theme from this year's team was the lack of continuity just killed them. And and they knew that they would have been pretty good if they had some continuity, but they couldn't really form the chemistry they needed to because of the lack of continuity. And it seems like they were pretty realistic about it rather than just saying, you know, this team stinks and they can't really adapt. And, and that, that was another takeaway I had from tonight. And that was kind of the vibe. This year, they just kind of don't have it, but next year, maybe they will. You know, maybe they just need an offseason to rest and to kind of get right. If the Celtics come out next season and they struggle right out of the gate, then I think you have a lot of reason to kind of panic a little bit and to kind of really be like, what is this team? Where are they going? Who should stay? But if the Celtics enter next season looking roughly the same, I think that tells you that the Celtics players and the Celtics front office are kind of like, hey, uh, let's let's at least give this another little bit of a shot. And, and, and you know, if it doesn't work, fine. But like to look no further than the Philadelphia 76ers for a team yeah. that struggled a lot, you know, last season. And then this season is like the number one seed because they have an MVP candidate. The Celtics could literally follow that trajectory. Like Jason Tatum might be an MVP candidate next year. That being said, running it back like across the board is is a bad idea in my opinion. I think if you I think if you do have that mindset like okay, there was a lot of external factors this year, right? We had a ton of covid absences, there was a lot of injuries. We were playing in the middle of a pandemic in empty stadiums. It was a weird year, so we want to keep this group together. 
you need to revamp that supporting cast. Like I do not think that supporting cast is going to do anything better next year than it did this year. Sure. Maybe some of the younger guys will produce more. Like I'm sure Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Neesmith, Romeo Langford, they can be good rotation pieces next year. You know, I think that's a positive, but outside of those guys, you really do need to upgrade that supporting cast. So if they do choose to go that route and say, this was a wacky year and we still want to kind of give it a go, Next year with this group, I think you do need to help those guys out by forming a better team around them. Because you mentioned the Philadelphia 76ers, they revamped the supporting cast. They did a really good job. They were proactive. They went out and they revamped the supporting cast and it worked very well. And it's helped out guys like Simmons and Embiid. And when they've gone through injuries, it has helped that team stay afloat. I think if they do go that approach, the front office, if they do go that approach, then they need to be proactive in free agency, which is hard because they don't have a lot of wiggle room here. And so that makes things difficult. It's much easier said than done. But I think that is an important factor here if they do want to keep this main group together. Yeah, I think I think that's all the right main points. And then I think the other thing to kind of consider alongside that is no matter what reason there are, what reasons you might have for the struggles, the struggles still existed no matter what. Like, like you struggled this season and people felt bad all year. And like those bad feelings aren't going to like just magically go away. You can't just explain away the bad feelings of all these losses with like, you know, well, yeah, but we had like COVID absences and it's like, okay, yeah, but like there were still all the losses where everybody still felt And every team did, right. Exactly. So, I mean, so, so we'll see what happens. I, I think there's a lot of reason for optimism. Jason Tatum is on an MVP track. He is a superstar. You know, Rob Williams looks like if he can just stay healthy. And I think that there is something to the idea that like young guys, sometimes their bodies just aren't ready for the NBA. Mm-hmm. And it's worth remembering that Rob this season doubled the number of NBA games that he had played, you know, like essentially like he, he just has not played that much. So he is kind of in that same mold of like a young guy and maybe he just needed, you know, maybe he just needs to develop his body some more. If he can, I think the Celtics have like another, like really talented player on their hands. Like he's really good. Jalen Brown hit every benchmark that you could have possibly hoped that Jalen Brown would hit this season. The the Celtics now have a full off season. Like you mentioned Pritchard and Neesmith and Romeo, like, there are plenty of reasons for optimism with this team and there's a lot of work to be done too. So I think as the Celtics enter the off season, to me, that's the big kind of two for takeaway is like, this was a disappointing season and the Celtics have a lot of work to do. Also, they do have reasons for optimism. This is not a blow it up situation. This is not a like fire everyone and trade everyone into the sun situation. This is a, I, I think there should be some tinkering. I think, and then I think, you know, there's a lot of players on this team who are, who are worth you know, bringing back. And then, you know, especially if you, you know, especially if you don't have to trade them to bring in good players. Yeah. Tinkering around the edges is definitely the the right way to look at this because I don't think a front office should be upset with a team led by Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And you can bring back Evan Fournier, ideally, you know, who knows if there's a bag waiting for him in free agency somewhere that's more than ownership is willing to cough up for him, but you bring him back. He's a really, really versatile scorer and you get him actually put like, he had no time to play with this group realistically. And when he was attempting to form chemistry, he was going through concussion-like symptoms and recovering from COVID-19. And and then all of a sudden it was the playoffs. So that poor guy 
never had any real chance. He talked about that tonight too, saying getting traded midseason is hard as it is. And my situation was even tougher because of all the external stuff that that happened with me. So so you give him some time, you give him a full off season and him some time to work in with that core. Like I, I totally agree. There are tons of, of bright spots and tons of reason for hope here. Big if with Rob Williams, if he can stay healthy, major, major if. But if that were to come true, there's a ton of upside there. Like that that's a really good team and it was a stressful season for the team and it was anything but fun really what it seemed like it just seemed like a lot of struggle from top to bottom um but those are bound to happen sometimes in professional sports things just didn't really break their way and i because of the weird factors at play here i don't think it's a reason to to blow it up and fire everyone that's just that just doesn't make much sense to me. Agreed. Unless you have anything else, I think, you know, we're going to save a lot of our postmortems, you know, for like this upcoming week. I mean, we'll, we'll talk extensively about, you know, Fournier and, and, and uh, you yeah. know, about his whole situation. And if you think about this season in terms of like a, a success, clearly it was not a success, but like, at least there was no true catastrophe. Like right. it was a bad season, but there was no, like, you know, there was no like truly awful injury that like everybody's going to be worried about all off season. So now it's just a matter of like, reevaluating where everything stands and, and seeing what next year looks like. Um, we'll, we will leave it there. Uh, anybody who's got questions, comments, or concerns, you know where to find us. Um, just like on a, uh, you know, on a personal note, it, it's, it's been fun. Um, hopefully people uh, didn't tune us out too hard um, as a result of, uh, you know, of, of us occasionally being somewhat negative about this team. I feel like we were pretty realistic about them all year. Um, realistically, thank you, everybody for sticking with Geno time for another year. It was, it was really fun. It was our first full season as a podcast. We're excited for what, what the future holds for the pod. And thank you to everyone who, who listens. Sincerely, we, it means a lot. So we will talk to you all again later this week.